0: Spags, the people have never gone this long without a Splash Play podcast, but today we are going to deliver the goods, aren't we?
1: Oh, we're so excited to be back because apparently we missed the most newsworthy time period in NFL history, but we are going to dig into it with the 10 biggest free agency moves that you need to know about and all the ramifications therein. Pete and I are also going to catch up on our spring breaks. Pete went to Hawaii. I had a baby all by myself. So let's hit that intro and get right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, I have to say, I expected more of a tan on you.
0: Um, I expected you not to throw your partner under the bus saying that you had a baby on your
1: own. So I guess we're off to an even start. I suppose that's a fair way to look at it, but we had a lot going on in our spring break because we talked about in that cold open, but let's just get into the plugs real fast here. Of course, we are presented by Football Outsiders, so go get FO Plus today over at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, lots of great data going on, lots of great previews of the USFL going on, which we are going to dig into on this show as well in the coming weeks, uh, but also FO Draft content's been really strong. FO Free Agency uh, doing a lot of stuff on the content side of things to help make sense of, again, the really the busiest free agency, period or off-season period the NFL has had in recent memory, maybe ever. Uh, so go check out FootballOutsiders.com right now. Lots of great stuff, whether you're going for free or taking the paid option at FootballOutsiders.com slash subscribe. And also make sure you are subscribed to Pete's channel, and also go subscribe to the Splash Play channel because we're going to make sure to be doing some love for both sides of the equation coming up in the coming months. We'll talk more about that in the future here, but go subscribe to both channels. Give some likes on the videos. We need that love now more than ever. But Pete, people have been dying here. So media buzzing about tell us all about hawaii (laughs) Uh,
0: no yeah i can't talk about what a lovely time i had in hawaii with no cares no responsibilities while you brought a child into the world uh you texted me or i texted you uh congratulations and i was a little disturbed that it seemed like you were maybe more excited about the engagement you were getting on twitter than bringing a child into the world itself do you care to comment on that
1: it was more like i know to play the hits with pete pete knows that like he, you probably saw the likes on that it's like spags definitely like is stoked likes it's honestly crazy to see the kind of support like i personally replied and and alex my partner th- thought i was a maniac for applying to every single person who tweeted me but like you know if people show the love like this isn't content like this isn't me doing a fun viral bit this is like my life like there's alex on the screen you can see our little baby there luca on the screen and like you know, this is a big moment in my life of all the dads very welcoming and excited to, to have a new dad in the tribe here. Uh, but, you know, a blessed little boy. And Pete, one thing I have to tell you, so I, I could talk about the whole labor process, but did you know that babies come out and they're just like gray little alien looking monsters? I mean, I knew that they were like wet. I mm-hmm. didn't know that they were gray little alien monsters. Do fill me in because I might have to tell my wife uh, about this and that I'm having changes of thought. So he did come out with straight up gray. Then they get the color back over the period of time because like like, you know, the blood flows in. They actually are getting oxygen instead of like getting the air and nutrients through the umbilical cord and all that. Uh, but yeah, definitely came out looking pretty gross. Looks a little bit less gross in this photo. Certainly less gross by the day. I posted a cute pic of me and Luca yesterday from my Instagram store if you want to see a more updated photo, which I look fantastic in, taken by Alex's dad, uh, but very happy to have him in. And I will say, you know, like this is something where I don't want to do like all dad content all this. Time. If I do it, I'll do it somewhere separately. Like, I don't, people are following us for betting, for fantasy stuff. I know, I know what the audience is. I'm not going to try to do that. But I do have to say, I learned a lot about parenting, Pete, that was horrifying. And I'll kind of take us through the journey a little bit. And I don't want to, again, we're going to get to the free agency stuff. We're going to talk NFL. It's on a personal anecdote show. But for the dad, people out there who are going to be a dad, if you are somebody who's pregnant right now with your partner, your, your wife, whatever the case may be, like, it is a lot more that you just don't hear about. We all have the kind of movie TV show takes on things where it's like, oh, the water breaks and and the woman is like horrified and the guy's like, oh, we gotta get going. You pack your stuff. For us, we basically were on pins and needles for three and a half, four weeks, because her OB told her that, oh, like, oh, Luca's gonna come early and he's going to be here before his due date. Turned out that was not the case ended up being that we had to induce labor because Alex's uh, blood pressure went up a little bit. And basically what they do, Pete, is they pump you full of this, this chemical that your body naturally produces that makes, uh, that makes the baby come out. It's called oxytocin in the body, pitocin in real life. And I'm saying this because somebody out there actually is probably going to matter to them. And we basically waited around for 20 hours the first day of just this this chemical going in, didn't work. So then they gave her a cervix softener because the cervix has to be soft for the baby to get through. I'm sorry, biology lessons for everybody out there. Um, And basically then they manually broke her water. So they use like this little hook and it pops the water thing. The second that happened, it was like literal hours for Lucas to come. Um, But it was like one of those things where Alex immediately, the most intense pain she said she's ever felt in her life when they break the water because the baby's then just pressing up, I guess, against their cervix. And It just, the main thing is really, it sucks. Alex had the goal of not doing drugs for this, going all natural. She could not do it when the water was broken because, again, the agonizing pain that went on. Um, And then, you know, the baby comes out and there's some tearing, there's some blood, some shit that's not great. Thankfully, Alex had the best possible version of it because she's very fit in really good shape. And she was attacking it like you do the pushing. And she was attacking it like when she does on the peloton, basically, where she was like grabbing her legs, like going full bore like an athlete, pushed them out in 25 minutes flat, which they were like might be the fastest time that a lot of these people had seen in the hospital so kudos to alex applause to her but it's just like an, it was honestly like a nightmare Pete, like it was like it just you don't know when it's going to end and then when it does end and you see you know your partner your wife or whatever in so much pain it's just it's a lot of emotions coming together at once where you basically as the guy you can't do anything but yet you you have to do everything basically because that's just what it becomes she basically is rendered completely feeble um I'm gonna need a second to
0: process that monologue. Um, I don't check the show sheet, but was that on the show sheet? I mean, Spags, we're all we're all uh, you know we're all going through something uh,
1: right now. I feel like I was in the delivery room with you guys after that story. Well, I mean, honestly though, like I, I'm saying it because I do know from this audience, from just some of the replies I got from people, a lot of people who've either you know new dads, new wish dads, people who are pregnant right now. Like I got to say both for both the female side for both for the male side as well. Like we do a lot talking about pregnancy and there, and there's a lot of like nuance to it because people have their different experiences, a lot of variables, all that shit. But I have to say like you learn a lot more just going through it. And, you know, you certainly build a lot more respect for your significant other throughout the process who has to do all the legwork. But like the guys too, like it's it sucks, man. Like it's honestly it was very stressful. Like you feel powerless, but also you kind of have to do all the little stuff. And I was lucky that Alex said, basically go home like sleep because I need you to be functional, like and be really good to do the stuff that we need to do. So we, we very much communicate and have divisions of labor in every other part of our relationship. So that's the case here, but like overall for pregnancy, feet, like it is, it is full bore ahead and I cannot articulate enough the importance of like, if you do this, make sure you're doing it with somebody that you are fully in sync with, because if you are not, there are so many gaps. So she, I think sums it up pretty well. Double wrapping from now on. Uh, that is, that is probably the move overall. Um, did you think about getting like a little baby onesie for Luca that said number one free agent or something like that? um the one that we actually put on him today which immediately came off because they did like i guess at this hospital and it might be every hospital they do like a professional photographer comes in and then they try to sell you the photos on the way out basically um so they took off his scooby-doo onesie was in fact the one that he had on but then he like they also get swaddled all the time so he got swaddled in some sloth thing that uh put on i personally don't care what he's like he could be naked half the time and i really at this point it doesn't matter like whatever is going to be the easiest like the path least resistance for all this pete is what matters not his not cute little meme content on his outfits all
0: right here's a here's a sincere question for you Mm -hmm. uh now that you're a dad like I, i think i assume this was like your first piece of you know actual content you've done since having a kid like did you find that It having a kid made everything else seem even more meaningless than it was before. And you're like, this is ridiculous. I'm gonna talk about free agency. Or are you like, this is such a welcome distraction. I've been deep in the trenches, and I'm excited to have this reprieve.
1: I am excited to have this reprieve. I love doing content. Like I was talking to some people, you know, uh, for, some of my old friends at Osmo just kind of catching up on stuff um, over Twitter and just over text and all that. And like, I love doing content, you know, candidly. And it's something I'm sure my bosses will love to hear the part that I don't, I'm not stoked about cause I'm not doing paternity leave. Now I'm punting it to the summer as we've talked about on the show, going to be taking some time off in June so I can kind of, you know, do the transition part when Alex is back at work. But like, the part I'm not excited for is like meaningless meetings. <laughs> like, I'm not excited to have calls with people to just like do little minutiae. Like, I'm still replying to emails here and there because I'm trying, you know, like my company's certainly understanding of the fact, like, it's a lot of people who've had kids or uh, both on the female side, the male side, all of that. So, like, they get it. But it's definitely one of those things where it's like, I just don't want to do a call about like video syndication. <laughs> like, right now, like, I don't, <laughs> it's not the most dated to me. Whereas this, this show has always been a fun reprieve for me. Um, so, I would say that's where I would shake out in that overall equation.
0: Okay. That, that makes sense. And uh, can you confirm this fact from uh, our friend, Ricky beers? When you become a dad, your ding dong grows two inches.
1: Facts. I mean, I would say if, if you're, you know, on the smaller side, perhaps two for, you know, for me, it's like, I honestly can't, if I had an erection right now, I probably would just faint immediately on the show. Okay. All right. That tells us everything we need to know. <laughs> Getting more TMI from spags. I will say if, if
0: someone new stumbled across the show, uh, today, Uh, We do put (laughs) timestamps down (laughs) in the descriptions if you happen to want to uh, skip over the play-by-play on the labor process. But uh, all sincerity uh, here, Spags, very excited for you guys and uh, excited to hear more about baby Luca's journey.
1: Yes, and I will do my best to not make it my entire brand, even though as I was t- texting with Pete, like I probably should lead every tweet with, as a dad, I feel. And like, and I could post whatever, it could be like a betting pick. And <laughs> it'll just get likes because dads just like supporting dads. And I think that's the cool part here. But um, yeah, I'm always happy. If you if you are one of those people out there who's pregnant right now um, or about to go through this, feel free to hit me up. I'm happy to give my feedback and, and certainly try to you know give the little bits of wisdom that I will get along the way as best I can, because it's tough, man. It's the biggest responsibility you'll ever have. And certainly I think all of us, if you are on this show and you're, you know, in this audience or you're Pete or me, like we all just want to do the best we can for the next generation. So I'm excited to do it and excited to move on. Pete, tell me about Hawaii. Did you eat a pig with an apple in its mouth? Um, you know, we
0: did, it was actually a topic of debate, uh, with Lauren and I, whether if we wanted to do one of the like touristy luau things. And I was like, come on, let's just do it. Uh, th- there was one at our hotel that was, you know, had nice ratings. And, uh, I think Lauren didn't enjoy it as much as I did. Cause I just got hammered. And I, the, the sad thing about it is I just kind of enjoyed people watching more than the show itself. And like anywhere, I don't know when you travel New York, especially great place, Hawaii area, like incredible people watching. Just this unique blend of local and tourists. So yes, I had a good time at the Luau. Um, We did kind of like a nice blend of, you know, one day we would just relax at the beach or the pool. The next day we'd go do hikes, go drive around, explore. So it was a nice balanced uh, vacation. We got to see, we're on Maui for all 10 days and got to see most of the island that we wanted to see and uh, food really good there. Um, Yeah, I had definitely moments of doubt thinking, do I ever want to return to the mainland and do work? Or could I get away with just retiring and never doing anything again in my life? Ultimately, uh, I do now feel refreshed and rejuvenated. And as some of our text messages uh, today would indicate, I'm, I'm
1: ready to uh, to tackle things again heading into this summer. Yeah, Pete is ready to grind for you guys on his YouTube channel. We're going to figure out the splash play parts of it as well. Uh, but I, I do have to say for you, Pete, like it seemed like a lovely vacation. Did you surf at all, by the way? I didn't.
0: Um, did some, you know boogie boarding stuff Mm. like that um the surfing is just ends up being like more of an ordeal most of the places there too it's um they want you to do like a half day lesson and it was just like it was a harder sell uh to do a full thing but uh there were some really good waves and it was fun on we did one of the kind of famous road trips there the road to hana on the way there's the main surf break there so we just kind of pulled off and watched the surfers it was probably 15 to 20 foot, uh, waves over there. So pretty fun to watch, uh, the local surf. And I always, even since I was in school in San Diego, I've always romanticized surf culture and wished I was good at surfing. So it was fun to pretend like I was a surfer out there without actually surfing
1: yeah i i think that's the part like it seems like the most fun conceptually but i would probably just fall over and over again or not even be able to stand up on the board and i feel like that's embarrassing No, you know that from paddleboarding, like even and that's tough enough so surfing seems like a different one but i'm glad you had a nice time like i think all the photos if you want to check pete's profile uh, go check yovers Zed, of course the very timely name that pete has on instagram i felt like he took some nice photography which i like whenever anybody's on vacation i see like a nice beach break or a nice wave i'm like oh man i gotta go on vacation like tomorrow <laughs> I will say like the way I use my
0: Instagram I do use it in the most cliche sense that I show nothing of my day-to-day life only when I'm doing something interesting and so there'll be breaks like I'll look every year during the football season and there's like no post because I'm just sitting here at my computer for five months straight and then uh when I travel then I, I like to uh you know dust it off there but thank you for noticing my photography I actually do feel like I have like guilt about it. Like I personally don't feel about this when I see other people's vacation photos. I think it's cool. Like I love seeing where they're at. I like seeing pretty places. For some reason, I feel guilt like you're rubbing it in other people's faces that you're on the beach somewhere. So I don't do the like, you know, here's constant pictures of me with a, you know, Mai Tai in my hand at the beach. But uh, Hawaii was so pretty uh, that I did want to share some of
1: the spots we stumbled upon. Also sharing some breast milk feedback in the chat. Yeah, uh, what what
0: is can we can we address this, uh, Mathal? I have heard of this being a thing, but I guess we've already crossed the Rubicon with you oversharing. So why not? Have you tried the breast milk yet,
1: Per Mathal? I have not, and in fact, so here's another thing that the movies, the liberal media won't tell you about breast milk, but here on Splash, <laughs> <I> really- <laughs> uh, so like the breast milk doesn't come in until like day three or day four. Um, because basically like there's some, there's a, I guess it's not a chemical, but there's like a, a thing that get, comes out, uh, called colostrum, which is like basically the essential nutritional things, uh, that come out for the baby the first few days. And it's kind of like a honey thing where I, we had a lactation consultant come in as part of this. And as you know, what they, what they do to kind of give the guy a little job, basically if you're the guy in any sort of pregnancy scenario, you're basically like the kid in the old food commercials where it's like, Oh, the parents cooking a meal and the kids like, and I helped. And that's basically what it is where they give you like this little spoon. So you scrape colostrum kind of off the nip and then you can like mouth it into the kid if he's not latching on. Um, but yeah, breast milk doesn't come right away. And I cannot foresee that being a thing I'm into because I know in my journeys on the internet, Pete, whenever I see breast milk pop up in a certain type of video, I tend to go like, nope, no, thank you. Click away and go, <laughs> go find some, somebody else to, to enjoy in that time period. I do think it could be a slippery
0: slope now that we are in the era of a million different versions of milk. You know, you get your oat milk, you get your coconut milk, you know, almond milk. I, You know, at one point you might just be looking around being like, how does the breast milk work with my granola? So I don't know, Spags, middle of the night, you maybe get the munchies. I could see it happening.
1: Look, who I I won't rule anything out in the future, but I think for me, I could safely stay in in Lucas' possession for as long as we go that route. uh, For him, make him a big, strong boy, and it's also great for the mom too. That gets all the that gets actually her body closer to where it needs to be, is expelling the breast milk and all that shit. So more fun facts here. And again, hey, you know, I'm an expert now, Pete. I've been doing this for three whole days, so I think I can say I know pretty much everything about parenting. Well, I will say
0: it was a great joy uh, as some one of the habits I've been trying to get into when I'm doing shows is just make little notes for the timestamp so I don't have to go back and rewatch after. So I did log at 15 minutes. The question, has Spags tried the breast milk? So congratulations to everyone out there just trying to locate that specific
1: information. I love how seriously you're taking this now. Thank you, Pete. For your- I've been
0: doing timestamps for a while and <laughs> I was debating whether to leave it just under the umbrella of Spags as a dad. And I thought, nope. It needs its own category. Has spags tried the breast milk. Do with that what you will fucking YouTube algorithm.
1: And Bolick asking, what about the placenta? We actually didn't see the placenta. That is the one thing. Um, I also, I had to clip the umbilical cord. That is one that was weird, because I didn't oh. want to do it, and they peer pressured me into it, and are like, just do it, and I'm like, fine, and you clip it. It's like me two cuts, but it's like, basically, you're like, you're cutting a little hose. It's real weird, man. It's real no, weird. I'm not. I'm not doing that.
0: Um, that's going to be a no for me, dog. I will, like, do you, just in general, are you queasy about stuff? Like, an example for me is when I get blood drawn and stuff like I, I can't look at the needles I've passed out and stuff before Did, does that happen to you or are you okay with that kind of stuff
1: I'm okay with it I knew we we had talked about and I'd heard this from male friends too who've had babies like don't look at the baby coming out because you're just not going to be able to view the vagina <laughs> in the same way before and I've seen you know like baby birthing videos through school or through like you know random internet things you stumble across here and there but no I, I'm not a huge fan of it I don't get squeamish necessarily like dealing with dogs I feel like for years and I talked about my dog Callie who's got like, got cancer right now, and literally was tracking blood around the house because she has like some ulcerated thing. Not the most fun. I don't get queasy with it, but I know with like this process, like because you still want to view your partner in the way that you normally do where they're a sexual being, they're all that stuff. Like it's better to stay away from that stuff from what I've been told.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's good to know. I think that answers all of our questions. And, you know, we do also one other funny thing about the uh the spags uh thing that played out in the Discord, in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, you guys should definitely join that. That link's down below. We have the splash play channel, but we created the good shit spags role, which is for people who want to be notified by Spags when he puts out one of his bets, because Spags had started uh sharing some of those on TikTok and in various places. Well, what happened is when people went to congratulate you in the Discord instead of tagging your handle specifically so only you got a notification they tagged the good shit spags role so everyone who had signed up for that i think it's like 20 to 25 people were all getting alerted with everyone they could but i personally appreciated the double kind of entendre of that role of it literally says good shit spags uh, but will also serve to alert you
1: it's funny, because I actually don't have my Discord notifications on. That's the one place <laughs> I didn't log in. For people. <laughs> so, um, I will reply to you guys if you did re- tweet on Discord or not tweet. If you did reach out on Discord, my bad. Uh, but go sign up for the Deposit Kingdom. If you want to get direct access to me that I forget to reply to, please <laughs> feel free to go check that out. And I will get back in the mix placing some bets on there soon. I just honestly want to tighten some stuff up on my end. Because, of course, the second Pete that we had that handle roll out, I think I went like two and three or something. And I was like, ah. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> and I, like I felt bad. I feel there's a real civic duty to bets where like I, if I'm losing, I, I'm just going to pull it back and kind of let it go. Um, and that's where we ended up with the at good shit spags tag.
0: Yeah, no, we'll have to get that fired up. I'm already imagining, you know, how, you know, uh, what was it? The, the part in my take guys that did the goldfish to determine mm-hmm. their bets. And people have done various stuff with animals. I'm already picturing you using like baby Luca and putting like two little rattlers at the opposite sides of the living room. And whichever mm-hmm. one he crawls to is the bet you're making. And then we can see if baby Luca outperforms you as a sports betting mm-hmm. analysis. You know, it sounds like a great bet.
1: No, that sounds really like a win-win for me. And (laughs) the last question we'll take here, uh, why the name Luca is my question. Pete knows right away the one I was going to. The name Luca, we loved Luca overall. Luca with a C is like the most popular name right now. For me though, I like Luka Doncic a lot. I think it'll be really cool for Luka to see somebody with his name on TV growing to be probably one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I think over the next ten years. Um, so for me, it's kind of a win-win where we get to root for somebody. I think the name's going to be more popular, and then my hope is that uh, through osmosis, that Luka become my, my Luka becomes a better athlete just because there's another guy named Luka who's really good. Um, and that's really the main logic there. Um, anything else we got? Anything else we got to talk about here? I'm sure I'll talk about this more, but I just I hate like I hate self aggrandizing part of it because like literally people have been doing this pete for 7 million years and <laughs> i'm like oh and here's what fatherhood is all about within the last you know 72 hours no, no i just love going from uh you and i
0: talking before the show cold open being like this was the most insane free agency period that
1: anyone can ever remember however here's 20 minutes on the birthing process That's how you rope them in and then you give them something else that they don't want to hear about at all. And that includes (laughs) splitting vaginas and softening cervixes, the joys of the world right now, but hit that like button, whether you're watching on peach channel or the splash play channel does help us out a bunch. Make sure to follow at Peter Overzet, follow at Chris spags and follow at splash play pod, because that is where we are putting all of our content. Whenever we are doing a show, you'll find it on there. We're back to the Monday, Friday show schedule now as well. So have no fear. We'll be here doing all the stuff we need to talk about. NFL wise, USF, wise best ball drafts all that will be coming up here on the show now that we are back no more time off here and pete it's time are you ready how should i slate this because pete's gonna start doing some clips and stuff you want things to be a little better 10 biggest free agency moves should i do like a full like big intro here
0: yeah i mean we haven't got the sounds and all the bells and whistles so if you could kind of channel your inner foley artist and do that um for me that would actually help me out in the interim okay Pew
1: pew pew, here we go! (laughs) Oh, NFL free agency! So, it's been a wild NFL free agency, and there is a lot you, the person stumbling across this video on YouTube, needs to know about. And here we are going to dig into the 10 biggest free agency moves. And Pete, number one on the list, the one we got to start with here, one that's got ramifications for a couple teams. Devontae Adams traded to the Raiders, wanted a new deal from the Packers. Packers weren't willing to pay him after they gave up so much money to Aaron Rodgers. Now he's going to the Raiders. And this is one for us. I think we might have actually luck boxed into a few best ball teams with Devontae Adams and Raiders stacks. So, hopefully, That pays off. But Devontae Adams reunited with his college teammate, Derek Carr. Some narratives there shower narrative, of course, the one that goes out there. I have to say, I love this trade for the Raiders. I think it's a fantastic move amidst a lot of them they're making here with Josh McDaniels being hired. So I'm stoked for this one. I think Devontae Adams, maybe a little bit of a a drop from where he's been historically as the Packers' only option. But I do think the Raiders, Pete, really well positioned in an AFC West that is absolutely loaded in every possible team. Yeah, this one, I think. Took everyone by surprise. I want
0: to say the narrative kind of heading into the off season was yes, this is going to be messy with the Packers, but everyone just assumed that Rodgers and Adams were a package deal, and we've talked too about. Um, how it's almost hard to untangle Rogers and Adams and their kind of skill from each other in the same way that it was kind of hard for people to untangle Bill Belichick and Tom Brady from each other, of like, you know, who was the straw that stirs the drink there. And now we're gonna get to find out. Um, it is surprising that you know, Adams. I I don't know. Do you think he's taking for granted what Aaron Rodgers kind of did for him as as a player? And do you think he's ultimately maybe going to end up regretting this decision? On the other hand, he's going to probably the only other quarterback you could say he has this rapport, this off-field friendship, of course, all the way back to their Fresno State days. So it's fascinating to think think how this is going to play out. But man, I feel like leaving Aaron Rodgers, uh, it can't be any better than it was there. Do you agree with
1: that? I think he made a move knowing more than we know on the outside. Like I think there might've been more disharmony with how he viewed Aaron Rodgers and everything that went on this past year, which we've highlighted a lot in this show, the dramatics around Rodgers, Everybody's talked about, you know, the Pat McAfee appearances, all that stuff and how it's basically just become this nonstop drama cycle. I think it's kind of the two prong thing where he probably liked Derek Carr enough. as his college QB. It's like, yeah, you know what? He just needs a number one guy. If he goes there, you know, if you go there, like maybe that's the one thing that Derek Carr hasn't had his entire time. Basically, basically as a Raider, And then you can fill that whole team up with a former buddy and get away from this weirdo. Who's been great for your career, but like the team doesn't want to pay you big money anyway. So I think if you're Devonte Adams, like I could see the logic there. It is tough. People are saying like all this to be fourth in the NFC, in the AFC West. Like I get it. But with volatility, with injuries, all of that, like they can get in a wild card spot for sure. Like I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. And you look at the talent too, like the Raiders have Josh Jacobs. They have, you know, certainly a a solid wide receiver in Hunter Renfro, a guy who probably I think we were into as uh, conceptually as the number one receiver uh, who should get a boost here as a slot guy in a Josh McDaniels offense. Aaron Waller is certainly an elite level tight end, even though he didn't show it production wise last year. So like, to me, you look at that compared to the Packers who have, it's just Alan Lazard left. <laughs> There's like nothing there. Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers. And if Devontae Adams maybe thinks that Rodgers kind of luck boxed his way to last year, or wasn't quite as good as the numbers bared out. Like, I think if anything, this might be more telling about the Packers future than it is the Raiders one, where I think he just went to his college buddy and it's going to be a good time for him. And he knows he's going to get fed the ball. But ultimately, like maybe he just doesn't believe in the Packers as an organization. And, and at the end of the day, they wouldn't pay him. So like, that's really probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, quick aside, I did just double check our uh, big board drafts that we have done on stream. We have drafted Derek Carr twice. I think we've done like five or six total drafts. We don't have any of the Devonte Adams stacks. Um, the one interesting one, we do have like, you know, we had the Derek Carr with Darren Waller uh stack and on that one we did have aj dylan so maybe we could spin zone this as you know that team getting better you remove adams aj dylan takes on maybe a bigger role but we did not bink the uh the free agency blind stack
1: yeah so i guess the question i would have for you pete before we move on to our number two on the list do you think that Devonte adams is he a big stock drop here going to the raiders is it stock even is it stock up potentially even though he's got more targets to compete with how are you viewing it
0: yeah. I, the way I've been thinking about it um, and kind of thinking through that tier of the top five or six wide receivers, I did kind of always view that as a tier. And I do think cup and Adams, and we'll obviously talk about cup in a sec as well, but I think they slide back a little bit in that tier. But to me, I still don't begrudge anyone how they want to kind of shuffle those up. And I do expect Devonte Adams to still have um, a very large role and a good rapport with Derek Carr. But yeah, I, I do think it's safe to to move him down a notch, and we might not just see quite the amount of red zone opportunities that we saw with Green Bay, but it will be fascinating to see how they use them because I think you can argue right that he goes from having basically zero legitimate target competition in Green Bay to legitimate target competition via Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, who have both proven themselves to be legit talent. So I think it maybe that mitigates things. Maybe the the Raiders offense just takes such a big leap that the pie gets big enough that all of those guys can eat. But do you envision one of Renfro or Waller getting squeezed with kind of the assumption that when
1: Waller's healthy, he's been great? I think those guys actually, well, you can make the case for Renfro. I think he's stocked down a little bit just conceptually because the reason you would be buying in on him and his current ADP or the ADP he's been at, that a lot of the drafts we've done on this show would be that he was going to be the target, you know, number one target there, getting the boost, maybe getting some Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, Damian Amendola style looks, in that uh, Josh McDaniels offense. I think you got to put him down a little bit, but for GPPs, like Hunter Renfro week to week will probably be a better play. Same thing, you know, if you're playing the DraftKings, obviously, and this is looking much further ahead. Darren Waller also going to be a much better GP play. I think the thing though, like with Adams, I don't know. I think I would keep his stock flat because I feel like the floor is still there. Like he's probably gonna get you, you know, seven targets a game, 85-ish yards, you know, and like the ceiling won't be there week to week quite as much. He's probably not gonna have the three touchdown, you know, potential to get four touchdown kind of days. But I think overall, like you're gonna see him still get those targets, still certainly be the safety blanket. It's just gonna make it a little more volatile in a way that I think makes it an interesting DFS team. So that's where I'd land with it. But I I think Pete, I don't know if you would want to do this. So we actually might have to go back to the team futures and go rank those again but i feel like overall like the raiders to me if you can get some nice odds on them like i know it's a tough division but you're getting probably a lot less you know a uh, juice on that bet overall just because of like people don't think they have a shot and this team talent wise like they have a shot josh jacobs could be a really good workhorse back and i feel like there's a lot of good things going now for the raiders
0: yeah i i feel like in a lot of ways they're trying to kind of emulate you know what the the Rams did, you know, last year. And we've seen some of these teams that kind of push all in to make a, a Super Bowl run. And, you know, like you said, the West uh is a tough uh division, the AFC is a tough conference. But I do really like these moves as far as you basically have two options with the Derek Carr type quarterbacks who aren't ever going to be top seven or top eight quarterbacks in the league. But if you surround them with enough talent we have seen the potential for them to kind of sneak in a Super Bowl appearance here and there. So I think it's really interesting on that regard. And yeah, I guess circling back to the Packers thing. I mean, even think about, I was just thinking about the Bucs in the playoffs when they started kind of losing some of their wide receivers. And as great as Tom Brady is, how, you know, dysfunctional that offense looked without all the weapons. And I mean, this is going to be that to the max for Aaron Rodgers. Like I do think He's a miracle worker and can elevate his teammates. But at a certain point, you do need some weapons, some playmakers. And I think it's going to be really, really tough for them. Although I do expect them to prioritize wide receiver heavily uh, in this draft.
1: Yeah, I think they have to get somebody young in there. Otherwise, this is going to be Alan Lazard and Amari Rodgers, and that's probably not going to be enough to keep Aaron Rodgers from grousing. The other, Another big move here, number two on the list, Deshaun Watson goes to the Browns for three first-rounders. Gets a five-year, $230 million guaranteed deal. Amari Cooper also on the way with a restructured contract that moves some of his money to signing bonus money. But the Deshaun Watson, one, Pete, I feel like you got to touch a little bit on the legal things that are going on with him. Certainly 22 women accusing you of something not the best, even if you are one of those people Who's siding with the, you know, it's a cash grab thing. I get why people might view that, but ultimately, you know, where there's smoke, there is some type of fire, whatever the case may be, but the guaranteed deal, Pete, the Browns paid a premium price tag after reports where they were out of the running for Watson, ended up getting back in, ended up getting him. If you're the Browns, I get why you have to do it. The stickiness of of kind of the perception here is one separate thing, but like overall talent wise, even if he suspended six games is a massive win for the Browns. Like this is everything that he wanted to be. I know our guy, Scott Brad, uh, Scott's Pratt Football Outsiders had. I think Deshaun Watson projected as his number four overall QB, assuming that he did have his full run of games. And it's just this offense is going to be built around him. He's got a great running back there in Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt coming back as well. Um, I think this is a team in Cleveland that if they get Watson, if Watson somehow only gets suspended two games, Cleveland could be really sneaky here. So you got to like the move, even if it does feel a little bit gross. Yeah, it
0: does. And it. I mean, with all of these conversations, we've had it over the years with Ray Rice and Tyree Kill and all of these guys who do awful things. And then how we talk about them as far as fantasy assets, I always struggle with it. It's always something tough to untangle. Although I will say the way they structured this deal and as it um, might impact fantasy, I think is pretty relevant. He obviously still has the civil suits still ongoing. And it seems very likely he's going to get some form of of a, an NFL suspension. And so how many games that is, is going to kind of determine how aggressive or excited you are about drafting him in various fantasy formats. I know I was listening to ETR's podcast. I think they've slotted him in as QB 10 right now, recognizing some uncertainty with that suspension. I do think if we found out he wasn't going to be suspended, he's pretty firmly, you know, a QB six QB seven type range, just right up there with kind of the Justin Herberts of the world. But yeah. And I think It also makes the Amari Cooper signing make so much more sense. Um, There's also been rumors that Will Fuller is a package deal with Deshaun Watson. So you already include, you know, one of the best run games, one of the best offensive lines in the league, getting a massive quarterback upgrade, getting an influx of wide receiver weapons. I mean, this is another team similar to the Raiders that can go from not making the playoffs to becoming a Super Bowl contender pretty quickly. So uh, massive ramifications here. I thought the, uh, what was bullshit was kind of Cleveland's long-winded uh, PR statement that I needed a magnifying glass to read on Twitter, which was a lot of PR speak for saying, um, yeah, we know Watson uh, is a bad guy, but we don't care because he makes our offense better, which is ultimately the takeaway from, from this signing by them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of a surprise to me. I know the Falcons were the team rumored to be getting him, and we'll talk about the Matt Ryan trade that happened right before the show coming up here in a few items. But I think it's uh, it's a lot of weird things that went on with the Sean Watson one at the end of the day. Clearly, I think the guaranteed money, getting $235 million guaranteed is a crazy one for a guy that didn't play in a year coming off of this. Perception wise, you certainly get why the, the, the kind of people on Twitter who get angry about the stuff would be angry about it. Uh, but I feel like overall fantasy wise, you got to like the move. And Amari Cooper being a number one receiver, like we've Seen him be effective in Dallas, be effective in Dallas as well with guys like Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb taking away touches, certainly Zeke as well, continuing to get fed against all you know common sense and logic that we know of. Um, those are things that certainly held you know him back over the last few years. But I feel like Cooper in this spot, Pete, like. Really good wide receiver one, certainly no Jarvis Landry there. Maybe he walks back some of the stuff he said about the Browns and ends up back at toe. I don't, I don't think he's signed anywhere yet. But I think for me, Cooper is a, a receiver that could make a really big bounce back here, maybe be undervalued. You got to like where he ended up overall and just him really being a true number one in this offense.
0: Yeah, although I guess I would maybe push back a little bit on that and, th- and just say... I think he'd probably be better as a number two in that offense or maybe like a co-1A, co-1B, almost like he was with CeeDee Lamb, but maybe with a guy that had more stylistic fits that complement him. I mean, Will Fuller is kind of obviously the perfect fit. Get Deshaun Watson that lid lifter and then let Amari work underneath a bit more. So I do think he could use kind of a co-pilot to really maximize where he's at in his game I just think he's still an incredible route runner but I don't know if we've seen kind of the big play explosive ability from him in this stage so maybe he steps in as a more kind of like souped up version of Jarvis Landry where he's going to be a reliable target maybe offer you a little bit more after the catch but I still think they want kind of one more dynamic weapon in there to get the
1: most out of Watson's skills. Okay, that's a reasonable way to look at it. Um, Let's go on to number three, Pete, where we do have the other big move that happened. Russell Wilson, QBs on the move, going to the Broncos. Two first, two second rounders, as well as a fifth rounder. And Russell Wilson in this offense was one that I know when I was playing around on my slow underdog draft, uh, which is my slow underdog best ball draft that's been going since, I think... Four weeks ago now, three weeks ago, people really soaking up the time. Unfortunately, couldn't get there. But I was like, oh, can I quickly scramble, and put this together? Uh, but unfortunately, Sutton and Judy had been gone. If you got those guys and somehow lucked into having Russell Wilson in that same lineup, this Broncos offense to me, Pete, I think is so explosive and all of these guys are going to reach their potential in every way that you've wanted to see the last few years with the Teddy Bridgewaters, the Drew Locks, of the world, whatever other assholes they've been putting out there when guys have been injured. Like Sutton's been held back. I think Judy's been held back. I think Tim Patrick even has been held back. Russ is in a fantastic position fantasy-wise. Overall, the head-to-heads with him and, and Herbert and going against Mahomes and going against this new-look Raiders team. The AFC West should be a ratings juggernaut should be the best division to watch should have the most fun games I love everything about this trade Pete if you are the Broncos and I think too we saw the odds for the Broncos being so high and kind of thought oh that must be the Aaron Rodgers thing people thinking he's going there people somebody must have known that they were in on Russell Wilson for early on because they were a top five Super Bowl odds team when we reviewed it for way more than they should have been but I just I absolutely love this move this is fantastic for this team
0: Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And it is funny, like you said, that the market had to have known somehow because every time we would pull up the odds, I swear we said it on splash play three to four times. How are the Broncos ahead of the Chargers in Super Bowl futures? It just made no sense. It was like the market or someone who had been betting these futures a whale ahead of time knew that they were really likely to get a big upgrade at quarterback. Conventional wisdom is it would have been Aaron Rodgers. And so that I always thought it was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, this pipe dream um, that goes off the table and then boom, uh, it's Russell Wilson. And I know there's some people out there that kind of think Russell Wilson might be cooked. I really don't uh, think that I think he was very much stunted by Pete Carroll, by what that offense wanted to do. We've seen a proof of concept of what it looks like when Russ cooks, it was the 2020 season, um, at the first half where they were getting into all those shootouts. They had that incredible game against the Cowboys. I remember because we won a GPP on tilt space with a Russ double stack, but I know with these weapons that he can kind of um, get back to that level. You know, Cortland Sutton is a poor man's version of DK Metcalf. I think Jerry Judy could be uh, even better than Tyler Lockett in the long term. And then it's the ancillary weapons where he really gets an upgrade. Uh, of course, they lose Noah Fant in the trade, but Albert Akui Boonham was one of the most exciting, you know, second tight ends in the entire league. If you want to ever check out his measurables, you'll see what a freak athlete he is. And then the depth there KJ Hamler, one of the best deep ball burners. Tim Patrick, who you know, probably one of the more underrated wide receivers just because he just feels like such a boring name, but consistently produces. And uh, we were talking about on ship chasing, I think last week, where he kind of feels like he'll be the David Moore for Russell Wilson, where he'll just randomly pop up for these, you know, two big games, maybe the Doug Baldwin type, where it's like, how does this guy end up with two touchdowns here? But because Russ is getting them in the red zone and facilitating in a really good way, then everyone benefits. So yeah, I'm super excited about this team. Like you said, the AFC West shootouts are going to be awesome. And I'm strongly in the camp that Russ isn't cooked. And this is going to
1: be a nice little uh, late career renaissance for him. You've got Ricky in the chat saying Russ is cooked. Bullock saying Hackett at head coach um, and Green Bay being dead last and pace of play has me wondering how they'll impact the explosiveness of the offense. I think I, think I get why people might have some questions, but I think at this point it's, you know, it's like people believe in some of these really esoteric conspiracy theories, and it's like what's more likely, like this very obvious thing you see laid out in front of you or this like microscopic chance thing that somebody else is telling you could happen. Like I think you look at that offense last year that Hackett had in Green Bay, certainly mitigated the risk of Aaron Rodgers for sure, keeping the pace of play a little more run. I think probably bodes well for Javante uh, Williams, whoever else I have at running back, whether that be Melvin Gordon or somebody else, we'll find out how the rest of the off season goes for them. But I think for me in this spot, like Hackett really did put Aaron Rodgers in position to succeed. And that's the issue Seattle had was that to me, I love Pete Carroll. He gave me fantastic years in college. The fact that I was there for the <laughs> USC run when I was there, like I'll never forget that. He is done as a coach. He is just a boomer coach that just the moment is passed. I think that's it for him. And I think he hasn't put Russ in position to succeed. And Hackett will do that, whatever that means running the ball more, relying on that, or that means actually, you know, just setting up the run to actually get passes that are going to be more effective than what Seattle was doing last year. I just don't see how this fails barring injury, Pete. And I feel like to me, if there's a team that I would say could really win the honestly, the Raiders too, like any of those teams can win that division, really. Like I know we're all gonna kind of plug the Chiefs in there, the revenge campaign, some big additions for them as well. That I don't know if we're gonna cover today, but like getting Juju as a slot guy replacing Byron Pringle with him is a massive upgrade too. But like overall, this team could win the West and it wouldn't shock me one bit.
0: Yeah, and I will I don't know if this is a hot take or not, too, but um it might feel like a hot take just because Seattle has emphasized the run game for so long, but I I feel like Javante Williams um, and whatever, Marshawn Lynch, but I feel like Javante Williams might be the most versatile running back that Russ Wilson has ever played with as well because they've always kind of messed with different configurations of like, oh, the CJ Procise third down back and Carson as the hammer or oh, let's go with Carson as the quasi bell cow back, even though we don't love his pass catching chops quite as much. Whereas I do really think Javante Williams gives them the flexibility to not tip their hand with what kind of plays they're running, which I think will help them out with the play action and not to mention just his kind of explosiveness. Um, I just really think that offense in general is going to take a leap and having a, a good running back won't be a stranger for Russ Wilson,
1: but I think he'll very much enjoy Javante's flexibility and versatility. Yeah, Javante, the pass catching is a difference. Like Marshawn Lynch was very good, obviously. Certainly would continue to get those yards between the tackles whenever he could and would certainly break a 75 yard or whenever you least expected. But he wasn't catching passes. Like Javante can really uh, do a, a good job of that. We've seen that this year. That was really his role until he kind of showed that he could take a little more away from Melvin Gordon. But I think in this spot, Javante, second year as well, always a gigantic jump for skill position guys. There's just a lot of great stuff that I think Denver has in front of them. So if you are a Broncos fan, and I know Pete, at one point, your life you were actually is this enough to get you back on Broncos fandom because really fun team with a young running back that you have loved and held up in high esteem for a while is that enough to get you back
0: I mean, I, I do, I am just so broken. Like I'm very excited about this version of the Broncos, but it's all from a fantasy perspective, just all from a more points, 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 uh, in games perspective, I will not, you know, be specifically tuning into Broncos games more than I would have other than what they put on my red zone screen. I guess the true litmus test is if they're in prime time, would I go out of my way to watch more of the game in full?
1: And I'm a broken man because the answer is no. (laughs) interesting see i would want to watch them more because i think that offense is going to be fun and i'm curious to see what they do especially in that early part of the year but i feel exactly everything you're saying but the exact opposite for the cowboys <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, just, like yeah. i'm f- fully cemented now and not feeling that bad about us digging well, my in on that fandom until ben dinucci becomes the starting quarterback at which oh, point oh, you yeah then, then luca really and i bad. will be there he <laughs> will yeah. be uh getting pegged oh, not getting pegged getting <laughs> Getting things thrown at I feel like getting pegged, like thrown. <laughs> pegged. Update 4328. Spags talks about getting pegged. <laughs> getting pegged by the local Eagles fans is what I was saying, but still not in the way <laughs> Damn, I can't believe they took that phrase away from me. Getting pegged by things used to be getting thrown at you. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to wrestle it back for the for the content creators. Number four, Tom Brady is back. Chris Godwin also returns to the Bucks on a three-year, $60 million deal. Russell Gage, the new slot man in Tampa Bay, three years, $30 million for him. And all these moves, Pete, I think for the Bucks, uh, they needed Tom Brady back or they were going to have to basically be in rebuild mode, you would think. Tom Brady uh, had some meetings with the owners there, with the Glazer family in the UK. Uh, some rumors that maybe he asked for a coaching change or at least some coaching adjustments. So we'll see if there's any weird things that happen with Bruce Arians. Maybe somebody coming to the staff to give Brady a little bit of a cushion there because i think there were some reports that that relationship had been fractured a little bit the fact that he's back he was as elite as any qb in the league last year especially for fantasy just generating a ton of passing yards passing volume the passing td rushing td splits for the team overall were fantastic And Russell Gage quietly was fantastic last year for Atlanta, a team that had no options left. Kyle Pitts was a great rookie tight end, but still not a game breaker like people wanted. Calvin Ridley, his gambling suspension that also happened during our time away. A ridiculous situation there, but one uh, that certainly Russell Gage took advantage of last year. And in this spot, Pete, I think he's a really good replacement for Antonio Brown. You could move him and and Godwin around the, the formations as well. Overall, I feel like win-wins all around for the Bucs and getting Tom Brady back. uh, Probably a little bit of a fire lit under his ass. I feel like a good situation for the Bucs and one that I don't know who takes them down in the NFC South by any stretch.
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, such a total turnaround to go from you lose Brady you, you know, presumably lose Gronk, obviously AB out of the picture. You're trying to figure out who your quarterback's going to be. You know, Mike Evans is getting older, Chris Godwin coming off the injury. And you're like, this team could be a bottom five team in the league. Like if they don't, you know, pull off a, a miracle shot here and then they get that miracle shot, Brady coming back and the Russell Gage signing is really good, both as, just what he can do for them in three wide receiver sets, but also as a hedge against Godwin's health. And I know they gave Godwin a big extension because they believe in him long-term, but I think it's safe to say that, you know, he might be slow going to start the season, might not quite be ready yet. And we know Russell Gage can come in and doesn't Russell Gage just strike you as the kind of guy that can just soak up eight to nine targets from Brady on a regular basis. And we won't even bat an
1: eye at it. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be the best version of himself here. Just being that check down guy and Evans can focus on his deep routes. If Godwin comes back, as Pete talks about here, a little bit, half speed, maybe that's still more opportunity for gauge Gronk seems like he's trending towards coming back as well. I think had some snarky social media videos about like, I'm going to make Tom sweat it out, but like does seem like he'll be back. So overall, I feel like this offense is going to be as ready to go as can be. And you got to hope that uh, we do see Godwin come back to full health. And, and I guess you got to hope that uh, as people are saying, Lombardi Lenny, hopefully Leonard Fournette does come back for them as well. And and give them what he's gave them last year, which is quietly one of the best running back seasons we saw. And uh, on the counterpoint here, this is not one of the top moves, but the Falcons did in fact resign Cordero Patterson and added Deonta Foreman. So they're in clearly <laughs> great position, Pete, for what they're going to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it, it, they needed Patterson to resign because it's mm-hmm. basically him and Pitts are the only viable playmakers uh, on their offense right now. The, the Lombardi-Lenny stuff is interesting. Everyone referring to him meeting with the Patriots uh this week which is kind of such a bizarre fit mm-hmm. um obviously lenny trying to you know capitalize on his good play to get one more big contract um but not a great fit on new england where they already have lots of talented players i assume if he signed with them he'd take on more of a pass catching role maybe he kind of takes over you know, the James White stuff for them on third downs, pass protection, but hard to imagine even him as a runner supplanting what Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson can do between the tackles. I just think they're better interior runners than him at this point. So I don't know. It doesn't seem to make sense. It does seem like the best fit for him would be back in, um, in Tampa Bay. But that said, I mean, running back is so, Replaceable and meaningless that I'm pretty sure the bucks, whether through the draft, whether through another signing, they'll they'll be fine um, getting some other running backs in there, even with how good Lenny was. I don't think this team lives and dies by
1: uh, Uncle Lenny. Also, the Pats, for the record, did bring back James White and also signed Ty Montgomery. So I think they're, they have more than enough pass catchers there, in addition to having Harrison Stevenson, who's shown the ability to catch passes. I don't know New England's doing. I'm sure the, I know the Boston New England area fans have been uh, more than unhappy, but I think overall, I don't know why they would possibly sign Fournette other than just to do the New England thing that nobody else wants to do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I actually did see a a funny tweet uh, earlier today. If I can find it here, I'll pull it up here from uh, Daddy's Home FF. He said, uh, according to sources close to the team, my mechanic who lives five minutes from Foxborough Stadium, there is no effing way that Billy B is going to sign that running back from Tampa. He's just messing with Tommy for shits and giggles. And this honestly seems like reasonable
1: logic because otherwise the signing doesn't make sense to me either. I'll say pretty good bit. That I, the case. So yeah. I would support that one. Number five on the list, the one that happened right before the show, Matt Ryan traded to the Colts for a third round pick. Seems like low draft capital for a guy that's actually been pretty solid. Uh, certainly in terms of what he brought to Atlanta stability. I know a lot of people, uh, frankly, in a way that always has some weird connotations, but I did see a lot of people tweeting about the class act that Matt Ryan is overall handling this is Sean Watson situation in this particular go around handling whatever the team has done, really leaving him with, no weapons no no backup plan replacement here for what happened with Calvin Ridley last year and what's happening with him going into this year Matt Ryan I felt like deserved better and quite frankly for the Colts gigantic upgrade from Carson Wentz Matt Ryan being there they're going to protect him they're going to keep him in the pocket Michael Pittman to me is probably going to be underdrafted relative to whatever ADP he's had the last few weeks I think you got to bump him up a good amount I feel like overall Pete this Matt Ryan move is one that I mean, he's going to love having Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. He's going to love what Frank Reich does schematically overall. He's going to love having Pittman there. I'm sure he can, if T.Y. Hilton's there for next year, going to probably throw him some decent deep balls to give T.Y. at least a chance to make some plays. Paris Campbell, whoever else is left there. I think this is a really great move for all sides as well. And, And really, I think the summary to me for all these moves that we're talking about, people making these QB moves have made really sharp ones. And the Colts here, I think, just a huge upgrade sending Carson Wentz to Washington and bringing in Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, I I agree with those takes. Like on on the one hand, you kind of wonder if the Colts should just pull the band-aid off and start to rebuild for the future and try to find their QB of the future. Um just because they do have lots of young talent in Jonathan Taylor in Michael Pittman. On the other hand, you can make a case that they are built to win now with that good offensive line, that good running game. Um, and Matt Ryan can slide in there and do all the things that Carson Wentz couldn't do mainly not make back breaking mistakes at inopportune times. So Matt Ryan at this stage in his career, um, uh, you know, he isn't, I don't think he's an elevator at this point, an elevator of talent around him, but can he get the ball to Michael Pittman? Can he march down the field? Can he limit mistakes? I think totally. So I do think this is the kind of, offense that the Falcons were wanting to run when they signed Wentz and they're like, maybe we run it back with a souped up version of Carson Wentz, which that's kind of what Matt Ryan is at this point in his career. I'd still like to see them and any team in this kind of spot continue to try to stockpile quarterbacks, whether that is through the draft, whether that's through free agency or whatever, because, you know, Matt Ryan Uh, We want to talk about Russell Wilson being cooked. I'm more inclined to say Matt Ryan might be cooked. So uh, I do think there is a little bit of, I don't know, projection um, wish casting on Matt Ryan. But if you were trying to get all the pieces to line up for Matt Ryan to succeed, I think this is the spot.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that fully, and I would say in the chat, too, people talk about Mount Ryan being washed. The bloom is starting to vanish off of the Reich Rose, is what Sprung MC is saying. I just don't see it that way. I think he he certainly vouched for Carson Wentz, and then quickly realized his mistake and tried to correct it. Like, I'm not going to throw the... As given this episode, probably not the right expression. am not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater with this one. I'm not going to throw any babies out with bathwater, but the Frank Reich one especially, like, he vouched for a guy that he had a good track record with, then this guy was in the locker room, the teammates didn't seem to like him, Reich himself didn't seem to like him, so like Carson Wentz has changed in some way. And I feel like that's the most relatable part here, where like as human beings for the most part, we should all kind of have some sympathy for Frank Reich here, where he vouched for a guy that he worked with in the past, brought him in, and ended up being not the guy that he thought he was. Like that sucks for Frank Reich, but I don't think that makes me think Frank Reich is any less of a genius here. Like he got the Jonathan Taylor was an absolute monster, and that's not all Jonathan Taylor.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, Warren Sharp here kind of gave a little rundown here that the Colts added Matt Ryan, lost Carson Wentz, weren't forced to extend Ryan's deal, gained a third that may turn into a second, made Atlanta eat over 40 million in dead cap space, the largest in NFL history, and lowered Ryan's 2022 cap hit to 28 million less than Carson Wentz. So they were basically able to get completely out from under everything, both financially while upgrading their quarterback spot. I mean, this is a a great move for the organization on that front.
1: Yeah, and I feel like culturally, too, Matt Ryan, there's nothing that anybody in Atlanta can say that's bad about what he did for the community there, for the team there, having him in Indianapolis as well, a leader. Like I think they're a team that, as long as they get into the playoffs and don't lose the last game to the Jaguars like they did this year, uh, you've got to think that they're going to be able to make a run if they can put all the pieces together. And as we talked about, just got to stay healthy. That is the main thing. Number six on the list, we got Allen Robinson to the Rams for three years, 46.5 mil. Robert Woods gets traded to the Titans for a sixth rounder in that process, Pete, which kind of surprised me. I guess I thought they would run Rolling with him as the number three and let Van Jefferson get some work and Wood, uh, Woods can get back to speed. But reportedly, Woods is trending towards being back in time for training camp, or at least the start of the season, with his uh, ACL tear from last year. So we'll see if he can get back and be that solid number two for Tennessee. For the Rams, Pete, I feel like this is kind of a, a I wouldn't say a reach. Like, I like Allen Robson. I think he certainly has shown the ability in the past. He's the kind of receiver I like who just goes up and gets jump balls and get downfield and just make the most with really inaccurate QBs. And he's never had a good QB, Pete. So having Matthew Stafford also on a gigantic new contract, probably going to be good for him. I just don't know that you can say this with the most confidence, given what we saw last year with Darnell Mooney really cementing himself as a wide receiver one Robinson going through the motions. I don't know if Robinson should be washed. He's young enough that he shouldn't be, but overall, like I feel like he'll be perfectly fine here. I just don't know that this is like a marquee acquisition. I'd rather just kind of see Van Jefferson do more than get a rookie in or just keep feeding Cooper Cutmore, more given that nobody can defend him no matter what they do.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably better for Allen Robinson than it is for the Rams themselves, mm-hmm. like you said, because they did have lots of options there. Uh, on the other hand, though, with both Robert Woods and Odell Beckham coming off the of injury, having contract concerns like this kind of shores up the number two spot for them without any question marks. Now they know if Odell doesn't come back that they can roll with cup Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson, um, which I think. As far as their skill set still works pretty well. If you have Allen Robinson on the outside, um, you have Cup then kind of sliding in and running most of his s- snaps from the slot. And then Van Jefferson still as kind of the outside burner there. So I think it makes sense. And in the same way that they were starting to target Odell Beckham a lot in the red zone. I do think Allen Robinson um, has shown that he has the skill set to be a big red zone present. So I think it makes sense for all parties. And this is kind of the last straw for Allen Robinson, right? Because we've kind of done the thing with Allen Robinson has never played with a good quarterback. He had his Blake Bortles to start his career in Jacksonville and then got the Andy Dalton years. And then we all got excited. Oh, Justin Fields, this is going to finally be it. That never materialized. And we can debate whether that was because of Fields or the franchise. Handling of fields, but now he has a legitimate good quarterback who can get him the ball in the red zone. They'll have plenty of red zone opportunities. He will have Cooper Cup drawing attention away from him. This is kind of a put up uh, or shut up situation for Allen Robinson.
1: Yep, I would agree fully. You're going to have a QB who's going to force that ball downfield. Allen Robinson's game has been making the most, as we talked about, of those downfield throws. So if he can't make it happen with Matthew Stafford, if he loses some reps to Van Jefferson, if he loses some reps to Odell, if they re-sign him, which is some of the rumors out there, they might get him on the cheap here, let him rehab and then see, see if he can make another run for a better contract, I guess. But Allen Robinson's in tow and he's probably worth drafting right now. I know when I saw that news again in this endless slow draft that is going on on Underdog right now for me, I saw that news had Allen Robinson took him out just a flyer on him on the hopes he would go somewhere good and ended up getting that signing so i that made me feel good about his stock maybe feel like i got him as a value so i think it's still a good move for alan robinson but as pete said there maybe not as great of a move for the rams as it could have been uh number seven on the list actually we got a derek there uh f malden i guess pete we just got to get the mentions in because he is super chatted
0: He is. He is super chatting. Uh, we aren't throwing any, uh, water out with the babies, just water out by itself. Just to be clear. Thank you as always, Derek, for your commitment to tipping this show. Uh, under the guise of uh, hating Malden, we
1: appreciate you. Malden, Massachusetts, the America's least favorite city. So <laughs> we say here on Splash Play. Uh, number seven, a crowded Dolphins backfield. Chase Edmonds and Raheem Most stared, added to the new offense here that Mike McDaniel is going to be bringing to toe. A lot of expectations. He'll be doing a lot of the same concepts that uh, we saw Kyle Shanahan, and the team, do in San Francisco because McDaniel was the offensive coordinator over there. This spot overall, Pete, you're I I have to assume, actually, I don't know this answer. Is Patrick Laird still under contract is the question I have. Yeah, so he
0: was a restricted free agent that um, turned into a free agent because he didn't get uh, a new contract yet. So it's TBD to see Mm -hmm. uh, where Laird ends up. I still think um, it might be likely that he stays within the organization, whether that's on the practice squad or whether his special teams role creates a a spot for him still on the 53-man. So TBD on that, but... This definitely marks a shift in how the Dolphins have handled running backs over the past few years, basically since they've had their kind of rebuild, they have not, prioritized investing in the running back position at all. And we saw that with, you know, Gaskin and these undrafted free agents, they got guys for free or cheap in the draft or in trades like Lynn Bowden from the Raiders. Um, And so this is the first time that they've actually spent some money here on Chase Edmonds and free agency, um, Moster as well. So I think this is definitely a new era for how the front office and probably specifically Mike McDaniel is thinking about the running back room. I think we're going to see lots of shades of a 49ers backfield here, which is going to be you know three four guys potentially in the mix all serving different roles leading itself to a hot hand thing and uh i think it makes it pretty tricky for season-long fantasy on how you want to approach this for best ball i think it becomes pretty easy as far as taking the cheaper guy in these backfields which has kind of been how you've played the San Francisco backfield over the years. So immediately I'm kind of most interested in Mostert. Um, I think people have kind of written him off for being so injury prone, but when he has been healthy, he's been a run to daylight kind of guy and still pretty explosive. I I would hope uh, even coming off an injury. So yeah, I think Edmonds will be the more permanent fixture in the backfield working in on most of the passing downs. Uh, But I think it's going to be a little bit messy as far as knowing who to start in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Mostert, I mean, we've seen him carry the Niners to a Super Bowl appearance a couple of years ago, and that was largely on his back from having those monster outlier games. In this spot, I feel like you have to feel good about, if you're a Dolphins fan, getting these guys in, certainly a big talent upgrade over the Savon Ahmeds of the world, even Miles Gaskin, who's been useful in the past. Um, I think it's a a solid move for a team that clearly knows what they want their identity to be. Um, Overall, I think the moves that they're making seems like they're making cost-effective moves, but guys who have some talent, also signing Cedric Wilson at wide receiver. So I like what the Dolphins are doing. I agree with your take that it's just hard to kind of surmise what's going to be the right way to approach it. Um, but I think you can make cases for both Edmonds and Mostert. And I think overall, these guys are in a pretty good position to have something happen their way. A team, though, Pete, that perhaps has less good going for them, the Jags, a curious case of the Jaguars coming up next year at number eight. What are they doing with Christian Kirk uh, despite his hot girlfriend? Maybe because of his hot girlfriend. Four years, $72 million for Christian Kirk. They also signed Evan Ingram. Apparently, they re signed Laquan Treadwell right before the show as well, or during the show. I'm not sure when that came out. But overall, all the Jags Pete I kind of like the Kirk move more than the public does I'll say probably too steep of a price tag that early in free agency but I could see where they would get the numbers from was a fantastic yards per route run guy last year yards per catch guy like you're looking at the very rudimentary kind of basic metrics you could see why Christian Kirk had some value certainly stepped up every time that DeAndre Hopkins was out Um, if any AJ Green being out whenever there were more routes to go around Christian Kirk got there And I think overall, like it was just about giving Trevor Lawrence a weapon. You had more faith. And that said, you are, of course, a LaVisca Chenault fan. We also on the show, big Marvin Jones fans based on our draft capital on on underdog in the past as well. Uh, But I would say in the spot, I like Christian Kirk signing here. I just think they probably should have paid a little bit less.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm torn too because I like Christian Kirk. He's been like one of my guys that each year I just kind of martingale um, being like, oh, when the Cardinals finally deploy the air raid that we were promised, he is going to be a big part of that. And it just never really happened. And then he also never was able to kind of garner a high enough target share the way they used him. Even when DeAndre Hopkins was out of the offense that I always just kind of felt disappointed. So now he's going to get a chance to be kind of an alpha wide receiver, whether he has the skill set to actually do that, I think is fairly up for debate. And I think what makes it hard from the Jags perspective is one, I think DJ Chark is really good. Um, The Lions who uh, um, are able to get him, we're going to talk about that in a sec. I think get a good steal. And, you know, Pat Corain made this point uh, on a couple of podcasts as well, that the other concerning thing is it kind of boxes them out of drafting uh, a wide receiver with some of their earlier draft capital. I think they pick at early of the set. First part of the second round, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but now all of a sudden this is a pretty deep wide receiver class. If they are kind of ignoring the position, thinking they handled it in free agency, I think that is a concern because Trevor uh, Lawrence is going to need more weapons than just a Christian Kirk led, you know, wide receiver core, I think to, to go to the next level. So I like Christian Kirk in a vacuum as the player. I I don't know how great of a fit this is or how much he can help make. Trevor Lawrence take
1: that leap that we all want him to make. I think it just comes down to, do you believe in Doug Peterson being a much better coach? And there was an athletic article that actually I flagged today to read at some point, the urban Meyer kind of, uh, I guess, detailing in more depth, reporting out uh, some of the toxic stuff that was going on in the organization that led things to be bad there like they have weapons on paper now for Doug Peterson. You have ATN coming back. Hopefully James Robinson makes a recovery. You do have Evan Ingram now. They still do have Dan Arnold, I think. Um, So there should be something there that like, you know, they can make a two tight end set. Evan Ingram either way, even if they got rid of Arnold, Ingram has been good in the past, even though he hasn't been that great for the Giants lately. And then you have Visca, you have Marvin Jones. Like this is a team that has enough weapons to be functional for Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's probably the goal is you just get Trevor Lawrence to competency and then hopefully you can upgrade some positions but i think overall like you could have brought back dj chark for much cheaper that's the part that sort of does spook me off but overall if you're making trevor lawrence better like that's the end goal at at the end of the day for everything and i think overall like trevor lawrence christian kirk stacks like i think kind of interesting overall
0: yeah i i think it's interesting it's just hard to see you know there were uh i know too when we were doing the um the Omni fantasy drafts uh, with Ben Gretchen looking at NFL futures bets and picking NFL teams. And there was a lot of chatter around who could be the team this year that, you know, kind of becomes this year's Bengals and has that kind of recipe and, you know, two teams that were thrown out the chargers a little bit more logically, but then more aspirationally the Jags just having that rookie quarterback who struggled, but maybe he takes the leap, but it's really hard to see it from, the perspective of what the Bengals did to surround Burrow with talent obviously investing incredible capital in jamar chase you already have t higgins making a second year leap and then tyler boyd already being one of you know the best kind of slot wide receivers or or solid slot wide receivers in the game and so i just don't see those pieces fitting around lawrence right now where it's like all right we are going to elevate this offense i mean to me it more points to trevor lawrence is going to have to get to work and really make strides on his own as a player to make this happen i guess another thing though that's You know, a little bit more exciting about the Jags is they will get ETN back. You know, they drafted him highly last year. He is a dynamic running back that can catch passes. Like you said, I'm always leaving a candle on for Visca. He's going to be a lot cheaper. You can squint and tell yourself a story where Trevor Lawrence unlocks ETN, Visca, Christian Kirk, and and maybe they get uh, another guy in the draft and kind of round this out and, and piece it together. But it is hard to see right now.
1: Yeah, it feels like maybe a 500-ish team, but for Jacksonville, that's probably progress. And if Lawrence could be the one who kind of shepherds that along the way, I think it could be a win here for Jacksonville, even though on paper certainly paid a steep price tag to get some uh, luxury free agents into the town. Um, next spot here, we got number nine, DJ Chark going to the Lions on a $10 million one-year deal. They also brought back Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown going to be the alpha dog there, or has been historically the alpha dog. But I like this flyer a good amount, Pete. The issue really is DJ Chark, certainly another downfield receiver. Jared Goff has showed no desire to throw it downfield, whether it be in his ramp stops uh, towards the end there or the Lions last year. But overall, just uh, an undervalued guy. I feel like DJ Chark, to me, somebody that I liked a lot. It was kind of bummed he got hurt last year because he's been a player that i I I've enjoyed watching and thought he had fantasy upside and and overall, just, you know, kind of a solid football player who does the things that I like to see getting the ball downfield, making those jump ball plays, all those things. But I feel like a good move for the Lions, like the Lions needed somebody in, they got somebody who's an actual premium talent or was at one point considered a premium talent Buying and low on this dude. If he does have the the great year, they can probably get the cat's bird seat or cat bird seat on you know, signing him to whatever extension that he would want. But I feel like overall, if you're the Lions getting any free agent who's actually talented as a positive. And I think that makes this a positive move.
0: Yeah. And just talking about how the, you know, existing pass catchers fit in with DJ Chark. I mean, it's a perfect fit because you have Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson, who have proven themselves to be really good pass catchers in the short in intermediate areas. And they've really needed a field stretcher. You know, they were trying out Khalif Raymond. Uh, sorry if I'm throwing your boy Josh Reynolds uh under the bus there a bit, but DJ Chark, we know can do this. And I think it really rounds out the offense and You know, are they going to have as many scoring opportunities as as other potential landing spots, maybe for DJ Shark? No, but he gets paid here. He gets a chance to prove himself after coming off of injury. And I do think. You know, I think he can give us kind of a Marvin Jones-esque season here, where he pops up for a couple of big games on on big plays. The consistency might not quite be there, just because Jared Goff can't consistently, you know, connect with a, a wide receiver down the field. But yeah, I think this makes a ton of sense. And the other part you were referencing that uh, Urban Meyer article, there has been some quotes from DJ Chark even in that. Um, he was talking about how. Meyer, uh, routinely threatened to fire coaches and cut players. He feels like threats are what motivates. I know he would come up to us and tell us if the receivers weren't doing good, he wasn't going to fire us. He was going to fire our coach. He would usually say that when the coach was around. So, uh, you know, you can read between the lines here from DJ Chark, or or maybe you don't even have to read between the lines and see that he was pretty disgruntled there. And there was also some other quotes I saw from that article from him. He said, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. He was not put in good position. So that actually makes me feel a little bit better about that Trevor Trevor Lawrence take of taking the next step. And um, maybe this is going to be better for everyone. Um, Just getting Meyer out of there, giving Chark a new start and giving
1: Trevor Lawrence a fresh start as well. It's also crazy to see a quote like that too, where DJ Chark, you know, going on the record saying that, and not in a way too where it's like, oh, I'm a player who's like mad about this. Like he's just going on the record being like, yeah, this was like really shitty and not like not healthy, not functional for anybody. Um, and I think that's certainly you know saying that as a non anonymous source. Kudos to DJ Chark and, and Dan Campbell for whatever it's worth. Like he got the most out of that Lions team last year. Like I think you could say schematically, like he's not one of those guys I look to like a Frank Reich and go like, oh, like he's doing a lot of brilliant things on the field. But he definitely was aggressive. I know in terms of our coaching index. That edge sports overall, where we're tracking fourth downs and all of that, and you know, trying to get the guys who are adding the most to win probability overall and Campbell actually did that a lot by just going for it embracing the volatility of going for fourth downs is a positive thing for the most part especially when you are in good positions and he's doing some analytically sound things certainly you know Jared Goff looked lively at least at point to Monroe St. Brown came out down the stretch there's a lot of ways here for DJ Chark to get back to usefulness and and hopefully just to be happier than the Urban Meyer regime seemed to make him there um also last spot here number 10 we got the Bills Von Miller to the Bills for six years 120 million dollars the Bills also jilted by JD McKissick up signing duke johnson oj howard also on the buffalo bills now But the von miller one huge deal for von miller pete some rumors here that he might have gone back to denver but i guess that didn't materialize all the way because of the russell wilson trade or, or whatever else happened there the bills though pushing all the chips into the center here it feels like doing everything they can to get a shot to get by the chiefs actually win the super bowl before that window closes for them and i think overall you know if you have the money to spend it uh, getting a von miller here maybe more of a luxury than necessity but certainly one that a guy's going to to come in you know he's going to compete you know he's going to make this defense as hard charging as they possibly can getting Tredavious White back next year also gonna be a positive as well like the Bills we don't talk about defense a lot in this show because ultimately for fantasy defense is not the part that matters the most for the Bills I think if you are a Buffalo fan seeing them really go aggressively just trying to get guys in who can help them win and get over that Chiefs hump I feel like a really positive move here even if we probably couldn't put it more than number 10.
0: Yeah, I just want people to know I did this just to throw all the IDP bros, the defensive (laughs) film guys a bone here being like, yes, I do realize uh, defensive players also, you know, change teams during free agency here. You could talk about JC Jackson, some other things the Chargers did with Khalil Mack, yada, yada. So I thought this could just be a catch all (laughs) number 10 to talk about defensive stuff of which I have zero takes other than the bills really loading up here. And I think getting all the pieces to become um, an even more legit Super Bowl contender than they were last year. I still kind of think they were the best team heading into the playoffs last year and adding even more of a pass rush, I think just, you know, makes them all the more scarier heading into the playoffs. It kind of is reminiscent to me a bit of what the Bucks were able to do the year they won the Super Bowl where they, the offense is already humming. And then all of a sudden that, that pass rush is really, you know, what wins you the Super Bowl as well in that that famous game against the Chiefs, uh, getting them a home. So uh I think they have all the pieces in place to to be the Super Bowl favorite again.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I I mean I hope that they are they have a good run here. Like I think the Bills, you certainly want to reward the teams that are spending money. Be <laughs> flexing by knowing the name of a defensive player. Yeah, Pete, very impressive that you know one of the most famous defensive players in all the NFL. It'd be a great bit someday to be
0: like how many defensive players could Peter actually name? And I don't even know if I would agree to that show premise because it would be so embarrassingly short.
1: I remember the period when I was at Osimo and we were doing NFL shows and everybody would just always reference like, yeah, you got to watch out for Jair Alexander outside. Like that's... (laughs) 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 that's just a big crutch everybody had not just an awesome like industry-wide everybody would always say that it's it's always funny like i know like i pay attention to defense enough just to know the guys who actually matter and who are affecting things materially still wouldn't avoid them or anything in a dfs situation but i feel like overall like that's where we are with von miller like boy that buffalo bills defense got von miller scavius white like that's two guys you could name
0: yeah. Uh, also on that, like that idea, it reminded me one time in college, uh, my, it was my roommate sophomore year. He said that he could name a thousand bands and we had a like music bands. And so that we, we had an entire evening with him just writing on loose leaf paper, band after band, after band. I think he made it to like 300 before he just tapped out. Um, so yes, uh, be very careful with, uh, you know, flaunting how much, you know, of a certain subject.
1: Naming a thousand bands seems like more of an exercise in endurance than it does like actual knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was a very ambitious thing that we were happy to call him out on uh, when he made that claim so free agency still ongoing the offseason as we saw with the matt ryan trade right before the show still ongoing so we're going to probably do a few more free agency segments coming up here obviously we're going to be going doing shows all offseason as well but uh, we might do some sneakiest free agency pickups might do some worse free agency pickups uh, we're going to do a couple carvings here of this apple a couple bites of the apple on this uh this content because honestly very excited time or very exciting time to be a football fan just talking about these ruminations more like an nba offseason than it was an nfl one and that's very fun for us uh but pete anything else you want to Put a bow on here for this the segment we did. Real segments in here. Real prep Pete did as well. So I think we're really humming along in our return to shows.
0: Yeah, I wanted to kind of free you up to write, uh, you know, a five minute monologue about the birthing process. I thought I could, you know, put together a list for the show. But we do have breaking news here. As Sprung mentions here, number eleven Mariota, he just signed a, a two year contract with Atlanta. Uh, I did Ooh. see some rumors of that. I guess the the real question here, and I haven't even seen the money here. Maybe someone in the chat can let us know if this is more like, hey, we just need to get some options in the quarterback room, or is this like? no, we're handing the keys over to him as our starting quarterback. I still think that they could maybe try to address it through the draft. Maybe those things aren't mutually exclusive, but they at least have one warm body in there. And I can envision some pretty fun uh, configurations with Cordero Patterson and Marcus Mariota. Maybe we get a little read option game
1: going there. You can see some kind of fun wrinkles with those two. Also, uh, they are the eighth overall pick this year, so maybe Malik Willis' is spot there. If you are, I know we Pete and I were talking about maybe having some people on to do some uh, draft betting, some prop betting around that stuff. And Malik Willis, a guy we've talked about on this show who has been bump, you know, bumping up the draft board since we started talking about him, uh, certainly coming in as a mobile QB with a big arm. I feel like if you bring him in, you bring Mariota in, kind of let Malik Willis simmer a little bit more as a guy who didn't face the greatest competition in college. I think that's pretty solid. Marcus Mariota, fantasy-wise, has always been pretty good uh, just because of the rushing ability here. So, if you are doing a draft right now an underdog, if you are like me and trapped in an interminable hell slow draft, you just take Marcus Mary in and reap the benefits in a few months. But make sure you are following at Peter over follow at Chris bags, follow at Splash Play Pod. If you have the time as well, please go give us five stars and a review an Apple Podcast. It would mean a lot to me as a new father to see reviews come up over there. So, whether you're a dad or a grad, please go over to our Apple Podcast page, give us five stars and a review on there. And uh, we'll be back on friday pete any final words for you here before we call it quits
0: no good to be back uh in the saddle spags and i will uh will circle up and and get you guys updated on on schedule and uh programming notes and yeah i would say the uh the splash play channel in the deposit kingdom discord is a good place if you guys want to chat with us and uh yeah
1: otherwise the twitter uh is a good spot for updates as well Yeah, and I'll be popping in that Discord to reply to everybody who sent me some kind well wishes on there coming up in a little bit here. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Let's come back Friday, 2.30 Eastern. We'll do it again. See you guys then. Bye.